Talk to my friend Drew. And Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Well, it's become very clear that Jen Psaki, she's going to resign from her position as Biden's you know, White House press secretary. And she's going to go straight into new employment at uh, MSNBC with her own show over there. I mean, look, I mean, she's doing propaganda now. She's been doing it for the last year. And now she's just going to do it, uh, you know, under the guise of a, a pundit or on her show as a reporter or whatever it ends up being. But it's the same. I mean, she's lies in her capacity as the White House press secretary. Now she's just going to go and use her natural talents as a propagandist and liar over at MSNBC. So no surprise there. I mean, of course, the question here is, you know, uh, is there some kind of, is it ethical, right, uh, to be negotiating with a media outlet while she's doing her job? And the answer, the short answer is yes. Now, look, she's not going to be thrown in jail. It's not a criminal offense. You know, there is a standards of ethical conduct for employees of the executive branch, but it's not enforceable. Nobody does anything about it. This is par for the course, especially for Democrats. But the Washington, D.C. elite, those that work in their capacity and government roles, they do this all the time. And it's honestly just a slap in the face. They might as well not even have this standards of ethical conduct. And the thing about this is, you know, if you read the reporting, you know, it's Jin Psaki's leaving the White House for, uh, you know, MSNBC this spring. They make it sound like it's down the road. Well, it's already spring. We've been in spring for over a week now. And so she's going straight into this when she steps down from her position, resigns in May. And, uh, you know, let me just start with this. You know, Jin Psaki, what's fascinating here to me is that if you remember Trump's first press secretary, he had three, right? You know, first he had uh, uh, Sean Spicer, right? He lasted about six months. Six months. And the thing about Sean Spicer, uh, look, he, I think part of the reason that Spicer stepped down, it, it, it was this issue where Trump, Trump was used to being beloved in the media, right? Before he was a politician. And Spicer was the first press secretary and Spicer was let go. I mean, Spicer would say later that Trump asked him to stay. I don't know about that. I think they both agreed that Spicer should go because he got off to a rocky start. Part of it was his own fault and part of it was just the reality of he's a Republican working for Trump as a press secretary. So it was a lose-lose situation. And he found himself, Spicer that is, the target frequently of the media's ire. Uh, after he gave press conferences. I mean, it's a hard job anyway, especially for a Republican conservative. But Spicer did. I mean, he came across oftentimes ill-prepared for, for this onslaught from the media. And he became the story so often. And I, I think I don't think that it's so much that Spicer did anything wrong. I don't think it's that Trump didn't respect Spicer. But, you know, Trump calculated, well, maybe Spicer's the problem. Maybe if we get somebody else in there, you know, the media will like them. They'll give me better treatment. And that was that was a false premise. That was never going to happen because anybody who worked for Trump, anybody who could be seen associated, anybody who was a press secretary under Trump was going to be viciously attacked and treated differently by the media. But Spicer, for example, he couldn't answer questions sometimes. Um, and that's what I say about being ill-prepared. He got a couple uh, facts wrong. He made some gaffes, nothing to the extent of a Joe Biden. And he was replaced by by uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And then, and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders was then replaced by uh, Kaylee McEnany. But uh, Spicer resigned. That was back in July of 2017. Now, what's important about this and the, the correlation I want to make here that's relevant is that Spicer, well, he couldn't get a job at the news outlets. They cited a lack of credibility after he resigned. He wanted a job in the media. He wanted to do what Jin Psaki is easily finding opportunities to do, but they said he wasn't credible. So they wouldn't take him. But Psaki, the least credible woman in America, well, she's going to go get paid over at MSNBC. They've been negotiating this for months. And this is the problem, even while she's the press secretary. Now, granted, granted, it's true that Sanders, she went on and worked at Fox News, as did Kaylee McEnany. 
But it wasn't. They didn't negotiate these deals while they were press secretaries. They resigned, and then they went and found employment. Now, we find out that Saki's been negotiating this quietly for months. Months. And doesn't it raise the question... You know, I think about all the all the times that Saki was MIA. She disappeared. She was replaced by some other surrogate out there that was filling in. Um, I don't remember their names. You know, one of them's the black girl uh, with a lot of hair. And then there's uh, this white girl who's been out there lately. I'll think of their names later. It's irrelevant. My point is, they've had other people step in when Jen Saki's been unavailable. Now, remember, just a few weeks ago, Jen Saki came down with COVID, right? She was having symptoms. She was symptomatic. This was the second time in, gosh, less than six months. She's fully vaccinated, fully boosted, and she got COVID and had symptoms twice. Thought that wasn't supposed to happen, right? But anyway, this is the second time too. You know, back, I think it was in October, she was supposed to go on a trip to Europe with Joe Biden. She backed out of that citing, uh, you know, family at a family emergency. We never found out, I don't think, what that was, but she didn't want to go with Biden then. And then she suddenly, miraculously, conveniently came down with COVID again when she was supposed to go to Europe with Joe Biden this second time just a few weeks ago. So Joe Biden went alone without her. But in addition to her going and self-quarantining and giving that as a reason for not being available to be the press secretary, she's disappeared on other occasions. You know, because... Peppermint Patty is so noticeable. You cannot miss that dyed red hair. You cannot miss it at all. So when she's not there, you notice it. And it begs the question, when she's disappeared all these times, why was she really disappearing? I would propose that she was probably negotiating these deals. Because in a full day as a press secretary, she doesn't have the time to go and meet with MSNBC and CNN privately while she's the press secretary to negotiate these sweetheart deals for her to get employed at a propagandist outfit later. So I would love to know, I would love somebody in the press to ask Jen Psaki, on any of these occasions that you were not doing this job, in any of these occasions, for example, while you claim to have COVID, did you have meetings or conversations with MSNBC, CNN, or anybody in the lamestream media to further your career after you stepped down? Were there negotiations going down in private when you weren't doing your job and getting paid by the taxpayers for the for press secretary? Were you working and negotiating while you're being paid by the taxpayer while you were on the clock, if you will? Well, the answer is yes, she was negotiating these deals. But here's, here's the standards of ethical conduct for employees of the, of the executive branch, which you're just going to laugh at, by the way, as I did. I did. Here we go. Here are some general principles not to be violated, right? Public service is a public trust requiring employees to place loyalty to the Constitution, the laws, and ethical principles above private gain. Of course you put private gain above the Constitution, the laws, and ethical principles. But so is Joe Biden. I mean, they're following after their titular leader, Employees, here's another one, shall not hold financial interests that conflict with a conscientious performance of duty. Well, look at Nancy Pelosi, look at members of Congress who have insider trading information by virtue of the fact that they can pass laws that directly influence the markets, that they know ahead of time what's going to take place because they're responsible for that outcome. And Nancy Pelosi's rich, her husband is rich, her family is rich because they invest in stocks. And conveniently, on so many countless occasions, they are guilty of investing, pulling investments just before something that the American people is not aware of, whether it's related to green new energy, electric vehicles. They invest. I mean, look, I mean, they have like a, they're, they're batting a thousand. You know, every time they make an investment, wow, it soars. What are the odds? Only for her can that happen. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? Well, an employee shall not, except as permitted by subpart B of this part, solicit or accept any gift or other item of monetary value from any person or entity seeking official action from, doing business with, or conducting activities regulated by the employee's agency or whose interests may be substantially affected by the performance or non-performance of the employee's duties. Well, there's Joe Biden for you, right? This guy is doing everything to help China and Russia and everything to harm America, and he's taken payment through Hunter Biden from the Russians, from the Chinese, there you go. 
and yet he's still in office. I'm going to get to that later, by the way. Ron Klain, Ron Klain, who runs the White House, actually. Well, he's out there. He's been running things behind the scenes for a long time. You, you don't actually see him or hear him, even though you know he's there. But now he's out there like Fauci, going on media outlet after media outlet, trying to run interference and make excuses for Joe Biden and run cover for him because, well, it's true. Hunter Biden is corrupt. Joe Biden is corrupt. And uh, he should be impeached. And so they're trying, I'll get into it in a little bit. But anyway, the point is, you know, no, Jin Psaki's not going to go to jail for this. She, you know, it's, this isn't some criminal offense, but she doesn't have any character, but she's a Democrat. So that's par for the course. And it's amazing to me. I want to play a clip. This is from MSNBC, actually. So the outfit that she's actually going to go and work for uh, later on in May, when she steps down from her position, well, this is what they had to say about uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders when she stepped down. So I want to play this clip and I'll comment. He was looking for someone to be combative. He was looking for someone who was going to lie shamelessly. He was looking for someone who was going to lie emphatically. And then if you notice what she does is she double downs, doubles down on the lie once she's called out on the lie. Mm-hmm. And so what they want to do, it's strategy. And I think people need to kind of keep this front and center. What they want to do is they want to create so much confusion amongst the American public that people can't quite figure out what's true and what's not true. <laughs> She, it's a strategy. It's a strategy. They want to create so much confusion that people don't know, uh, you know, uh, uh, truth from fiction. I mean, can you believe that? That's that was a all black panel. So that was Joy Reid's AM show back then. I think I said what was that? Twenty seventeen? No, no. Twenty. When did when did when did Sarah Huckabee Sanders resign? I guess that would have been back in. Uh, let's see. She she. So Spicer resigned uh, like July 2017. That's when Sarah Huckabee Sanders came in. June 2019. So June 2019 is when Huckabee Sanders resigned. And, and can you, yeah, I mean, there you have it. I mean, if, if you just played that, this could be like one of those things where you go out and play this clip for the, you know, non-discerning Democrat voter out there, right? Saying, who do you think made this quotation? And they'll say, Trump, Trump did it. Well, you would think they were talking about uh, Peppermint Patty here. She doubles down. On, she What do they say? Double downs? She double downs. I mean, doubles down on lies. Uh, but, you know, notice, I, I mean, Joy Reid show. I mean, it was, it was whatever. Three black people, you know. If you had three white people, you know, you'd be racist saying, where's the representation? But anyway, that's Joy Reid Joy Reed show for you. So that was a guest host filling in. I don't know who the person was that responded. I don't care. I mean... She's like them all, not particularly intelligent, and she's projecting and lying, but that's exactly what Jin Psaki's done. Exactly what Jin Psaki's done. And Nicole Wallace, after after uh, after Sanders stepped down, said she was, wasn't going to miss her. They were so elated, so happy. And here's Jin Psaki, and she's been negotiating for months. Do you notice, by the way, too, this is just a thought I had. I was thinking about something. You know, since Sean Spicer resigned, there has not been a male in the position as press secretary since. Trump went with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and then Kayleigh McEnany. And everyone who's a spokesperson for Joe Biden in the official capacity as the press secretary, well, it's been Jen Psaki, a female. And then she's going to be replaced by one of these gals, I imagine, as well. And there's a reason for this. There is a strategic reason for this. You know, when Spicer, for example, was there, you know, he, he they accused him of being condescending, of being too mean, too rough, because he's a man. He's a man. Um, and, you know, uh, women can behave exactly like men, but they're women. So, you know, it comes across softer. Now, granted, the treatment's not the same. They might as well have treated Huckabee Sanders more or less like she was a man, like she was Son Spicer. But people understand this. Men can come across as meaner, more condescending, more aggressive. You're under fire up there. You're shooting back at reporters. And there's a reason women are doing this role more and more. There's more forgiveness for them. There's a different standard, no doubt. But that's why you have women in this job, because Trump figured it out. 
And everyone's kind of continued that playbook since then because in that capacity, you just can't attack women the same way as you can men. You, you, you can't treat them like you did Sean Spicer, for example. They can uh, use their uteruses uh, to kind of hide behind, and that, that's, that's true. And anyway, I just want to finish off with this. You know, Kaylee McEnany, she started working at Fox News as a contributor in March of last year. And there were no negotiations going on behind the scenes before they went out. They were not violating the ethics. But Jin Psaki clearly is. But nobody cares. This will not even get any attention. And it's not the end of the world. Don't get me wrong. It's really not. But it's just par for the course for the Democrats. Here they go. And, and again, Sean Spicer could not find employment in the media. But Jin Psaki, who makes Sean Spicer look like the best press secretary ever as far as I'm concerned because all she does is circle back, not answer questions, condescend to the American people. Oh, you know, well, go have a margarita if you're upset about the economy. Go have a margarita if you're upset about this. Go take a Pilates class. I mean, she did exact... Let me play that clip one more time. He was looking for someone to be combative. He was looking for someone who was going to lie shamelessly. He was looking for someone who was going to lie emphatically. And then if you notice what she does is she doubles down on the lie once she's called out on the lie. Mm -hmm. And so what they want to do, it's strategy. And I think people need to kind of keep this front and center. What they want to do is they want to create so much confusion amongst the American public that people can't quite figure out what's true and what's not true. I mean, that is precisely exactly what Jin Psaki has done. But there you have a bunch of leftist propagandists on MSNBC accusing Sarah Huckabee Sanders of doing that very thing. I mean, this is a rule you can take to the bank, take to the grave, whatever you want to say. If the Democrats are saying it about any Republican, any conservative, they are guilty of it themselves. They are purely projecting everything that they are onto our side of things. Now, I've got a lot of audio sound bites to play today. We'll see how many we get to. But, you know, we just went through some of those ethics violations, right? I mean, and that's that's exactly what Joe Biden is guilty of. And again, to come back to Ron Klain, he's out there defending Joe Biden from the growing, inescapable, unignorable Hunter Biden scandal. And it gets worse and worse. And they know, they know that Hunter Biden is facing indictments. In fact, there are a lot of people out there, lawyers, who are saying he should have been indicted. He should have been put in prison already for things even like tax fraud. But the reason he's not in jail is why? Liberal privilege. He's the son of Joe Biden. They get treated differently than the rest of us. And so, you know, this is going to become a problem at the end of the day for the Department of Justice, for Merrick Garland, because the White House is remaining adamant that Hunter did nothing wrong. Yet we know this isn't true because he's been under investigation since 2020 and the probe, the investigation has expanded to include his dealings, business dealings with China and Russia and so on and so forth. Now here's Joe Biden. This is a montage of Joe first. This is from a a GOP video uh, of him denying that his son did anything wrong. So I want to play that for you first. Here we go. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Isn't that what you said? Get your word straight, Jack. There's been no indication of any conflict of interest from Ukraine or anywhere else. Period. Let's focus on the problem. Focus on this man, what he's doing, that no president has ever done. You're a damn liar, man. That company wanted access to you. Well, that's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? There is no controversy about my son. It's all a lie. Now we know that's all complete, total horse crap. It's just manure. We know this. And there's a very interesting article here by Jonathan Turley. Uh, He wrote this over at The Hill. That's where it was published. And the headline is Biden's absolute defense of Hunter leaves the media and Justice Department in a muddle. And I want to i got a couple pull quotes I want to bring from this because he makes some very important points that I want to talk about, things that I've been thinking about as well. Now, uh, Kate Bedingfield, that's who I was trying to think of before. She's the White House comms director. She's been out there recently in Jin Psaki's absence talking, I believe. 
Uh, she's the white one, not the black one with the big hair. But Kate Bedingfield, so she's she's been out there saying we absolutely stand by the president's comment. Um, you know, and she 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 reaffirmed that President Biden maintains that his son Hunter Biden, just as you heard him do in that montage, that uh, Hunter Biden did nothing that was unethical, and he never made money in China. Now we know that's absolutely false. And the media is actually reporting it. Now, I want to key it before I get into more of this article and a couple of points I want to make. I actually want to play a clip now of Ron Klain uh, going out there and doing an interview. I believe it's with George Stephanopoulos. But he's out there, the guy I was talking about that's running the White House. He's, of course, he he is Ron Klain I'm talking about. He is, of course, uh, Joe Biden's... Uh, uh, White House Chief of Staff. So he's running the show. And Ron Klain, who, you know, he's an Obama guy. He's uh, he's silently been pulling the strings behind the scenes. I've been arguing this for the past year. He's one of those individuals. But, you know, we know he exists. We know he's in that role. But we never hear from him. He's not out there on the circuit. And so this tells you a lot that he's out there trying to clean up for Joe Biden. Because this is his job. This is his guy. He's the chief of staff to Joe Biden. So now he's going out there. And think about what I just said about uh, Kate Bedingfield coming out there and making the assertion, doubling down, saying that, no, no, we maintain this still. Uh, Hunter Biden did nothing wrong. Um, here's the clip, all right, of uh, Ron Klain. The Washington Post also reported this week on deals that Hunter Biden had with a Chinese energy company, paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter and the president's brother. Is the president confident his family didn't cross any ethical lines? Uh, George, the president is confident that his uh, family did the right thing. But again, I want to just be really clear. These are actions by uh, Hunter and his brother. They're private matters. They don't involve the president. And they certainly are something that no one at the White House is involved in. So you have George Stephanopoulos there saying uh, the question. The Washington Post also reported this week, Ron, on deals that Hunter Biden had with a Chinese energy company paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter and the president's brother, Ron. Is the president confident his family didn't cross any ethical lines? And what's the response from Ron? Uh, George, the president is confident that his uh, family did the right thing. But again, and this is clear, this is Drew coming in to interject for a moment. This is the key. This is the key. Ron goes on and says, but again, I want to just be really clear, Georgie boy. These are actions by uh, Hunter and his brother. They're private matters. They don't involve the president, and they certainly are something that no one at the White House is involved in. So here's what you have going on. They're making claims that are demonstrably false, for one. So they're trying to maintain this facade that Joe Biden, you know, this defense that Joe's been saying that, oh, his son never did anything wrong. There's nothing unethical. Now, that is not true because he's being investigated and he's facing potential indictments, which many believe are inevitable. So out of one side of their mouths, the Democrats are saying, no, no, we maintain um, uh, Joe Biden believes his son didn't do anything wrong, but Joe Biden doesn't believe it. They're trying to set up distance here, and they're trying to set up distance between Joe Biden, who's just as guilty as his son. But because they know these indictments are coming, they actually got Ron Klain out there taking this message to the American people, trying to essentially massage our brains to prepare us for what's coming, to manipulate our response coming forward. So back to this article. So Biden maintains his son, Biden, Hunter Biden didn't do anything unethical and he never made money in China. Now we know that's not true because George Stephanopoulos just confronted Ron Klain about whatever I just said, the $4.2 million uh, from China. And so, you know, they're making the positions of the media and the Attorney General Merrick Garland, as Jonathan Turley writes, absolutely untenable. So, the media had to come out and get ahead of these investigations because if there's indictments, they are the ones who are responsible 
during the election of saying that none of this was true. The Hunter Biden laptop, which is the source of most of this information that proves that he was unethical, Joe and Hunter, and that he did take money from China and that was denied. Well, they were in on that game. They denied it. So they don't want to be totally disgraced here as as the faux journalists that they are. I mean, they can't do that. They can't continue to maintain their position that none of this is real. And then Hunter's indicted. And where do they stand? I mean, they don't have any credibility, but they want to maintain at least the artifice. They can't be, this is even too big for them to ignore now because of what's coming. So, I mean, here's how, how he phrased it, which I think is, is well written. For the media, the ongoing investigation of Hunter Biden by U.S. Attorney David Weiss in Delaware has presented a growing danger of self-indictment over its prior coverage or non-coverage. Exactly right. The media didn't cover this. It's a self-indictment. They're indicting themselves. I mean, Weiss has called this long line of witnesses before a grand jury, and there's an expectation now of criminal charges against Hunter Biden. And so this is why the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, all the lamestream media that denied this story, said it wasn't true, said that Hunter didn't do anything wrong. Well, it's an embarrassing prospect for them, isn't it? If an indictment based on a story they previously suggested was a non-story, a Russian disinformation comes along. So now they've all rushed, right? Okay, the story's legitimate, even though we lied about it 18 months later, after the New York Post first reported it, reported it in October 2020. But they're not done there. They're not just coming out and saying, okay, it's true. They're pushing a new narrative, trying to spin this. And what are they doing? Well, this doesn't implicate Joe Biden, President Biden. That's where they're going. They can't stop the indictments. They can't put, put the genie back in the bottle. But what they can do is try and suggest that Joe Biden is innocent. They're throwing Hunter Biden under the bus, essentially. Now, the question people get into and want to raise is, okay, well, is Joe Biden going to pardon his son as president? He can't do that. How does that look? I mean, I wouldn't put it past him not to do it. We'll know that's going to come based on the media and what they report down the road if indictments do come. If they try to soften this up and try and, you know, play the victim card for Hunter Biden, when that comes, they're preparing you for that, massaging you for that outcome. But right for right now, they're just trying to set up the narrative when the indictments come out, when the worst reveals itself about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. That's what this is about now. It's about getting ahead of it and telling their story what they want you and I, the American public, to accept is the story, which is, well, Hunter Biden, yeah, he may have done some bad things, but Joe Biden is, is clean. He's pure. He's good. So, uh, so here are some, some pool quotes. These are things that have, uh, the media, the legacy media that protects the Democratic Party, what they've been saying. So on CNN, John Harwood a White House correspondent there, he said there's zero evidence that Vice President Biden or President Biden has done anything wrong in connection with what Hunter Biden has done. Now, remember, it's important. It's not just now. It's Vice President Biden because all this goes back to abuse of power when Joe Biden was the vice president. And I've actually got to come back to this in a second. There's another thing here, too. This, is, this involves Barack Obama, by the way. The, the Republicans, actually, uh, the Obama White House, they're trying to put the Obama White House at the center of this controversy. This is from the conservative brief. Carmine, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or wrong, but Carmine Sabria, uh, he writes that Republicans are demanding access to the communication records of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, between him and the Obama White House, because that's pivotal. That's key. What did Barack Obama know? Joe Biden wasn't doing this without Barack Obama knowing. This was covered up. This was allowed to happen. This was given Barack Obama's blessing because remember, Barack Obama's corrupt as well. They're all corrupt. So Republican members of the House Oversight Committee wrote a letter to the Biden administration demanding that they be given access to any and all communication records between Hunter and the Obama White House. The uh, Epoch Times reported this. And they're, of course, calling for Hunter to be investigated. 
because he profited off his father's name. Absolutely. Well and good. We know this, especially given the involvement with Burisma and what's going on with Russia-Ukraine. What conflicts of interest does Joe Biden have with his son being paid by Ukrainian energy firm Burisma, Russian payments from the, uh, the former mayor of Moscow's wife, and China payments? We can't trust this administration to do things for the best, for the, for the greater benefit of the American people. Who's, who is he batting for? Which wife is he going to be loyal to? He's not married to America, but he's married to China. He's married to Russia. He's married to Ukraine via his son. And so, you know, this DOJ, Department of Justice investigation, this probe actually began under the Obama administration anyway. And that's why this keeps going back to the Obama administration. So we know there was foul play, but we want to know, okay, what was Obama's involvement? What did you know? So they're requesting documents. And this is the thing, right? While they have the phony January 6th committee looking into text messages that were sent between anybody related to Trump on that day, uh, you know, they're continuing to come up with these fake scandals still even after they impeached him and he was exonerated for the insurrection, they're still trying to tie him to it and prevent him from running for election, looking into all communication, trying to dig up dirt. Well, the dirt that we need to dig up is all on the Obama administration, all on the Biden administration between that communication. It's not text messages between any Republicans on January 6th that are going to show anything that are threatening democracy. It's text messages between Democrats, between Obama, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, Democrat Congress people. That's what we need. And so they're asking for documents of communication between the executive office of the president or office of the vice president and members or associates of the Biden family. This is the real scandal. All the January 6th stuff is meant to be a distraction. That's what all of this has always been about. It's about covering up for what the Democratic Party is guilty of. Remember, projection, pure projection. That's what's going on. So what else do the Republicans want in the Oversight Committee? They want uh, all documents and communications from or within the executive office of the president or office of the vice president referring to Elena Batarina or Yuri Luzkov from. Uh, from January 20th, 2009 to January 20th, 2017. Now, that's the, uh, the the former mayor of Moscow's wife, Elena Baterina, I believe. That's the one. That's what they want communications about. Because remember, he denied this. Trump called him out on this payment, and he scoffed, laughed, ridiculed Trump. You heard the montage, more of the same. But anyway, they want all this information between the State Department employees uh, to Hunter Biden and so on and so forth. But anyway, they're still doubling down. And uh, to go on with this article, a couple of other interesting pull quotes. Um, so he makes a great point here. So in addition to CNN and them going out there and saying that President Biden, there's no connection between him and what his son did, you had Brianna Kyler. I think she's on CNN as well. Same show, I think. Uh, she, she, she makes... She says there's an important distinction, right? This is an important distinction to make. What Hunter Biden did is not uh, make his father, Joe Biden, guilty. So here we go. So now they're willingly admitting the legitimacy of Hunter Biden's laptop, but they're avoiding what the emails found on that laptop actually contain. And Turley writes, hundreds of emails appear to detail a multi-million dollar influence peddling enterprise by the Biden family, including Hunter Biden and his uncle James Biden. Now, we've known this since the New York Post broke the story in 2020, and then they suppressed it. And let's see here. Deedly deet, reading down this article here for relevant information. Okay, here we go. So, you know, this is a influence peddling scheme. And what's key here is people were told to avoid directly referring to President Biden. They knew this was wrong. And what does this prove? What does this prove? Joe Biden, you know, in one email, Tony Bobulinski, then a business partner of Hunter's, was instructed by Biden's associate James Gillier not to speak of the former Veep's connection to any transactions. They knew this was wrong. And that's why they went out of their way to direct and ensure that Joe Biden was never mentioned. That's why he was called all these names, 10% for the big guy, right? They called him Celtic, code names, big guy, Celtic. 
And this is the one, remember the big guy, 10% cut for the big guy with a Chinese energy firm. And so Biden's repeatedly, repeatedly, as you heard in that montage, said he had, he didn't even know about these dealings. Didn't even know about it. But Bob Alinsky, Hunter Biden's business associate, said he personally, Bob Alinsky personally met with Joe Biden to discuss Hunter Biden's business activities. So it was all a lie. The scandal of a century. Joe Biden flew to China on Air Force Two with Hunter Biden, who arranged for his father to meet some of his business interests. So much corruption here. So much corruption. And the more they focus on January 6th, the more they're trying to distract us from what actually took place. And now you've got Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland. Now we need a special counsel. Remember the special counsel Mueller to investigate Trump-Russia collusion, which didn't even happen? It was made up and fabricated? Well, now we need a special counsel. We need it. We have to have it. And, um, you know, Garland, here's what's interesting with Garland. He's coming under fire, apparently, in private circles from, well, from Joe Biden himself. Because he's being urged to go harder after the January 6th people. They're saying, why aren't we, uh, you know, let me find this story here down, down the way. I ran out of black ink today, I gotta be honest with you. It's very frustrating. I hate staring at my laptop to look for this stuff. Uh, nonetheless, that's what I'm having to do. So I don't have my stack of things organized in front of me so I can jump from thing to thing. I have to scroll and I know I make myself sound like an old man, but I'm an old old soul. Indeed. So where's this story? All right, here we go. This is what I wanted to tell you about. So according to the New York Times, this is what the New York Times is reporting. Biden has told confidants he believes that Trump is a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. Do you see what's happening here? Joe Biden's the one who needs to be prosecuted. His son is being prosecuted, is, is being investigated. And he is wanting to put the shine the light over here at Donald Trump, who's done nothing, nothing wrong. Joe Biden apparently has said it privately. Well, he wants Merrick Garland to act less like a ponderous judge and more like a prosecutor who is willing to take decisive action over the events of J6. I mean, what is Merrick Garland going to do here? It is imperative, by the way, that we win the midterms. We need majorities and we need real investigations into all of this. But anyway, I'm going to take a short break here. I'll be right back. Uh, I want to read an article from CNN. This is telling you how bad it is and why indictments are probably coming because CNN is dumping on Hunter Biden. Dumping on Hunter Biden. And it is bad. You would never think CNN CNN would uh, write something like that. But nonetheless, they have. We'll bask in the glory of one interesting story from someone as boring and miserable and as, uh, well, a lying outfit like CNN do. This is Drew Allen. I will be right And we're back for another 20 to 25 minutes of scintillating. Brilliant political analysis by me, the host, Drew Allen. Before I get into the CNN article, which really lays out and makes the case against Hunter Biden and Joe Biden here, which tells us how worried they actually are. Well, I am just so ticked off. You have no idea. Because while all of this stuff is going on, and while they covered this up as long as they possibly could, you know, they've been pushing out hoax after hoax trying to create controversy and scandal about Donald Trump in January 6th. I'll give an example. Have you heard about this seven-hour phone call gap, allegedly? We've been hearing about it for days. Reports of an alleged seven-hour gap in President Trump's phone logs from January 6th, 2021, 
which were obtained by CBS News's Robert Costa and Washington Post associate editor Bob Woodward suggesting this Nixonian cover-up. Well, apparently, there was a lack of an official White House notation of any calls placed to or by Trump for 457 minutes from 11.17 a.m., to 6.54 p.m. on January 6th, 2021. The infamous insurrection or erection in Adam Schiff's pantalones. Well, anyway, this allegedly, we were told, means there's no record of the calls made by Trump as his supporters descended on the U.S. Capitol. CBS News reported this. The 11 pages of records, which consist of the president's official daily diary and the White House switchboard call log, were turned over by the National Archives earlier this year to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack. Now, reports prompted these accusations from the media and Democrats, claims that Trump was even using burner phones to cover up his communications on that day. Well, guess what? It's a nothing burger. Do you know what? The accusations that he was involved in a Nixonian cover-up and wasn't providing his phone logs or was using a burner phone so that people wouldn't know what he was saying because they were looking for what? Trump to be on the phone directly saying, go baby, go, bring the bombs in there, bring the guns in there, we want an insurrection, give me an insurrection. They really needed him to use the word because everything was falling apart. Well, they... uh. CNN and and these networks, they looked into these allegations, and guess what they found out? The accusations don't hold up. There's nothing to them. Here we go. Are we ready? Official review of Trump phone logs from January 6th finds record is complete. Their headline reads in an article with a byline containing six names. This, I believe, is from PJ Media. I believe it's Matt Margolis, who I love. I believe it's him. I want to give credit where credit's due, but it's from PJ Media. So anyway, long story short, they put out this allegation, a big scandal, Trump cover-up, you know, the seven-hour phone call gap, and then they're writing, oh, sorry, oops, we looked into it, and there's nothing there. This is what they do, and I've got a story coming up after we finish up with the Hunter Biden stuff to talk about this, too, because what they did to Donald Trump with regards to Trump-Russia collusion, that's set up. They can basically accuse anybody of anything and go after any political opponent and they just fabricate the evidence. That is the society we're living in. But anyway, so look, the fact the log does not show calls on January 6, 2021 from the Oval Office is not unusual, said the sources. You know why? Because Trump typically had staff either place calls directly for him on landlines or cell phones. So those calls wouldn't be noted on the switchboard log. So they asked for a switchboard log and there's a gap because the phones that they're using, which is totally normal, aren't going through the switchboard. So it shows a gap. So CNN now is deemed these switchboard logs to be uh, fine. There's no missing pages, and the seven-hour gap can be explained by use of White House landlines, White House cell phones, and personal cell phones that don't go through the switchboard. Unbelievable. So that's CNN, right? Shockingly, CNN investigated itself and, uh, and determined that, well, they put out a story that was completely false. Now, back to Hunter Biden here. CNN again, CNN. My goodness, I've never talked about CNN so much. It will never happen again. I hope. I promise to you. I hate CNN. I despise them. Uh, Here we go. Scrolling through. Scrolling through. CNN article. All right. Here we go. Back to CNN. The Hunter Biden soap opera is far from over. That's the headline, all right? And they go on to list some of the broad outlines of what they call the sad, sordid soap opera of Hunter Biden, the son of President Joe Biden, whose proximity to power helped make him millions, but whose addiction has cost him so much. Now, notice they said make, you know, Hunter Biden made himself millions, but he actually made the family millions. That's that's the heart of this. That's the key. This is a family scandal, not a Hunter Biden scandal. 
<clears throat> so here we go, CNN listing some things. He used his dad's name to make gobs of money, often from foreign companies. Yikes. He squandered money on drugs, alcohol, and prostitutes, according to his ex-wife. He ruined his marriage and had an affair with his brother's widow. He was discharged from the Navy Reserve for drugs. He says he can't remember his affair with a woman that led to a child and was ordered by court to pay child support after a DNA test. I talked about all this last episode, if not that, the one before. Uh, He is tied to a mysteriously lost laptop. It wasn't mysteriously lost. My goodness at this point. What is this? Mysteriously lost? He dropped it off at a store in Delaware for repairs and never showed up to pick it up. Anyway, CNN. They can't, I mean, you know, whatever. This is the best we can expect from CNN, right? Anyway. Uh, he's been the subject of a partisan investigation meant to embarrass his dad before the 2020 election. Oh man. You know, I kind of just started with the headline and read a little bit of this. Now I'm getting frustrated reading through it because it's not quite what I thought it was. Nonetheless, let's go on. So they still lie in the CNN article a little bit, but they go on. They say the story's not over. A federal investigation of the president's son is gaining steam. There are new details about his foreign business dealings. And he is again, the subject of Republican scrutiny. Nah, nah, nah. He's, he's the subject of American scrutiny because our um, national security is at risk because of what this family has done and what the Obama White House and Barack Obama himself is probably guilty of as well, overlooking this, sweeping it under the rug and allowing it to take place. Anyway, they get into new details about millions from China. So they're admitting, here we go. The Washington Post reports on financial documents from the mysterious laptop. The, my, the mysterious laptop. I cannot believe these, uh, how they come up with this stuff. The mysterious laptop. Anyway, the tie Biden to a Chinese company that paid him and his uncle James, Joe Biden's brother, millions more. I talked about that last episode. Grand jury testimony, they say. Well, federal investigators have interviewed a woman with whom he had an affair and the child he fathered, along with lobbyists and business partners. All right. What crimes might Hunter Biden have committed? They say possible charges for Biden and his associates could include tax evasion, money laundering or violation of foreign lobbying laws and even gun laws since a firearm purchased by Biden was once discarded in a Delaware dumpster. Biden has denied any wrongdoing and said he used tax advisors to file taxes. Then they get into Burisma even. He made millions more from Burisma. Uh... Well, anyway, the point is, let's go to the end of the article. So Hunter Biden has admitted his last name got him access to money and argued the same is true of Trump's kids. You see what they do here? You see what they, Trump's kids, Trump's kids did nothing of the sort. They ran a company. They worked for a living. They did not use Donald Trump, while he was president, to enrich the family. They worked for a wealthy family before, and they actually lost money and sacrificed by going into public office. But here they have to do, you know, well, Trump's kids did the same thing. They're not in prison, so why should Hunter Biden? But you see how they do this, these sick people? Anyway, so Hunter Biden's admitted this, and, uh, you know, he hasn't acknowledged that he did anything wrong, but he says, you know, oh, they could be viewed badly. I understand it. Maybe it was a mistake, but I didn't do anything wrong still. Anyway, but the U.S. attorney in Delaware is still investigating Biden, been investigating Hunter Biden since 2018. And so anyway, none of these developments, CNN writes, for Hunter Biden, even if they have nothing to do with his father, can be welcome news to the president who is struggling with sagging approval ratings. They're just getting everyone ready because this is unavoidable. It's coming. It's coming. And their only defense now is to try and distance Joe Biden from his son. That's where we're at with this right now. And in the meantime, they're trying to make Trump look worse than ever to try and take the spotlight away from Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, making stupid statements like, well, you know, Trump's kids, uh, uh, you know, it's the same thing Hunter Biden. It's not at all. It's not at all, folks. Not even close. Um, But anyway, we will keep an eye on that story. I wanted to get into something else here. Today, I, I, I want to mention Katanji uh, Brown Jackson here as well. All right, we got to talk about Katanji Brown because she's going to be on the Supreme Court. 
I told you this. I, I told you about this in the beginning weeks ago. I said, look, it's inevitable. I'm telling you, just just prepare yourself. It's going to happen. We're going to go through this futile exercise of learning everything that discredits her and disqualifies her from that seat. But, you know, I even wrote an article and I said, you know what? She's the, I said, I think the article I wrote, she's the best candidate for Democrats and the worst for America. And then I ended in the article saying, you know, well, all that said, even if a, even if a Democrat or two decide not to vote for her, there are plenty of rhinos to step in and vote for her to fill the void, to put her in there. And now we know that Mitt Romney, who claimed to have been a uh, big anti-abortion guy, well, he is putting his support behind the uh, pedophile sympathizer, Katanji, who's also a pro-abortion radical activist. And then we also have Murkowski, I believe that's the Alaskan senator. She's going to throw her weight, and she signals she's going to vote. Those are the two I know of. There may be a third. It doesn't matter. The point is, rhinos are going to gonna join this and give the headline to the leftist media out there that this was a bipartisan appointment. That's what this is all about, a bipartisan appointment. And it is so frustrating. It's so frustrating to me for a number of reasons, uh, the least of which is not that... Um, Uh, this is what I wanted to say about her. Okay. You know, in addition to all the pedophilia stuff, right? Her being soft on them and everything else. This disqualifies her above everything else because she doesn't believe in the U.S. Constitution. So after the, the public hearings took place, a bunch of, a questionnaire was submitted to her, follow-up questions, things that, that Republicans, for example, wanted answered before they'd make some kind of decision. And I'm looking right now, scrolling through this thing, so frustrating, I gotta buy ink ASAP, because I cannot do another episode. My fingers are gonna get burned off scrolling through this thing. Well, they issued her a questionnaire asking her if we essentially had natural rights, and she said she, she couldn't answer that. So our natural rights, I'm gonna still look for the quotation, but our natural rights, we have unalienable rights. Natural rights, which means they don't come from man, they come from our creator, right? That's in the Constitution. Everybody knows that. And she would not even acknowledge that we had natural rights. So she won't acknowledge that we have a Second Amendment, a First Amendment. This is the point. She's an activist judge. She doesn't care what the Constitution says, and that's the job of the Supreme Court Justice, the Supreme Court of the United States to read the Constitution, to issue rulings, make decisions based specifically upon what the Constitution says in the interpretation of the law. She's not even interpreting. She's ignoring the Constitution completely. And I'm going to stay on this another minute, but then I got to get into one other story here. There was a great piece at The Federalist. Um... Katanji, Katanji, Katanji. So she, she testified, this is what I was looking for, that she does not hold a position on whether individuals possess natural rights from her response to post-hearing written questions. Unbelievable. Can you imagine this? A, somebody who's going to be on the Supreme Court doesn't have a position, which means, look, this is it too. She doesn't have a position on whether or not all men and women are created equal. That's what's written in the Declaration. Constitution, right to bear arms, shall not be infringed. Do you have a position on our Second Amendment right? Well, I don't have a position on, on whether or not we have a Second Amendment right to bear arms. Well, hey, Katanji, do you have a, um, an opinion about uh, whether or not we have a First Amendment right to free speech? Well, no, I can't answer that. I don't have a position on whether or not individuals possess a right to free speech in this country. This is the most radical thing I've ever heard in my life. I kid you not. It's the, it's, I mean, and you've got Mitt Romney after this. You've got Murkowski going along with this. No one should be able to vote for this person. Forget the fact of the partisanship today. A, a candidate is telling you that she will not answer and doesn't have a position on whether or not we have unalienable rights, which the Constitution says we have, and which is the basis of the beauty of the American system. But she has no position on it. And yet here we go. You know, I mean, this is what's so frustrating. 
So frustrating. You know, it was, a, it was an 11-11 uh, tie, by the way, on the Senate Judiciary Committee. They were deadlocked 11-11. And, you know, it's funny. There was a tweet sent out, by the way. I believe it was by Politico. And and they said they said something to the extent that, you know, oh, you know, she's going to be the first black Supreme Court justice uh, in history, forgetting, of course, the two that preceded her, including the most recent being Clarence Thomas, who currently sits on the court. And they went back and had to correct their tweets saying, oh, we meant first female black Supreme Court justice. They can't even get it right. But that's that's how that tells you how just mindlessly how fixated they are in their their narrative on their agenda that you could tweet something like that first black because they probably believed that at the time but anyway oh yeah Politico here's the tweet Katanji Brown Jackson will likely be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice by the end of this week now anyway the Senate Judiciary Committee it's made up of Republicans and Democrats uh, they just voted on whether or not to send the nomination to the Senate for confirmation. But the Senate rules are so stupid because, you know, they always have a way, a mechanism of getting out of something, right? So it, it, this is actually very significant. So that Senate Judiciary Committee is based on the ratio of, of majority to minority in the House. Right now it's deadlock, so it's 11-11. But I'll give an example. You know, we had a majority back when Amy Coney Barrett uh, was being confirmed, right? And so it goes to the Senate Judiciary Committee, and there were 12 Republicans and 10 Democrats. And you know what Democrats did back then with Amy Coney Barrett, by the way? Because they they had enough Republican support to just push her through to get a vote in the Senate, Democrats just didn't even show up. They didn't show up. They actually boycotted even voting. Always politics. But anyway, right now it's 50-50, so you've got this Judiciary Committee, which is 11 Republicans and 11 Democrats. It's a party-line vote. So Republicans voted against sending her to the Senate for confirmation. Democrats voted in favor of it. But she can still be confirmed, so don't get your hopes up. All this requires now is is that the Senate exploit another rule that overrules another rule to formally discharge her nomination from committee. So basically they're just saying, well, now we're just going to the committee doesn't matter. It's deadlocked. So we're just going to get rid of that. The committee no longer matters. And uh, this is important, though, what the Senate's doing here, the Democrats, because historically, the last time this happened was 1853. That's the last time a, a SCOTUS nominee had to be discharged. 1853. So now, 2022, the, the Senate Democrats are doing this again. And so she's going she's gonna to be confirmed. They're going to bypass the Senate Judiciary Committee to hell with that rule, to hell with the, the fact that this has not happened since 1853. And Mitt Romney and Murkowski are going to vote to put this person on the Supreme Court who openly answered on a letter in testimony that she basically doesn't believe in the Constitution, that she can't answer if we have natural rights. Total, total, complete insanity. Um... All right, I want to end with this story. This is interesting because it's a threat to all Americans. Now, remember we talked about on this show before. I'll just do a quick refresher. I got new people in the audience every day by the thousands, and I want to thank you for that. One of the fastest growing podcasts in the world, The Drew Allen Show. So remember, so, you know, look, the Clinton campaign, what they did with Trump-Russia collusion, right? So they, the Clinton campaign, they paid lawyers at the Perkins Coy Law Firm to go out and basically hire a bunch of tech people to make it look like Trump Tower and Trump Organization was communicating with the Alpha Bank in Russia so that they could say that they, so they could take this to the FBI and then get a story that said, well, there's Trump-Russia collusion. That's literally how stupid this was. But Michael Sussman, he was the lawyer working for Perkins Coy. He's the one who, who obtained the documents. They call them white papers. That's the data that shows that, hey, Trump and Alpha Bank, they're having a conversation with their servers. So Michael Sussman took that to the FBI, General Counsel James Baker, and he said, hey, I got this data that suggests Trump might have a connection to the Russian bank, Alpha Bank. And, you know, he's being indicted right now for lying to General Counsel James Baker. 
because allegedly James Baker asked him if he was working on behalf of anyone. And he said, no, hey, I just I'm being a good citizen coming forward with this information. But the FBI didn't express any curiosity after this. They didn't ask how he obtained it, where it came from which is the same thing they did with the Steele dossier. Remember that? The Department of Justice accepted that Steele dossier as truth. And they used it without even corroborating it. Essentially, knowing it wasn't true, they just said, oh, somebody's giving me the Steele dossier. This guy worked for MI6. It must be true. So they used that without looking into it, asking a question to acquire the FISA warrant to surveil Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. And now you got no one from the FBI asked Sussman for the source of the Alpha Bank data. This is the trend. This is a strategy being employed by a partisan Democratic Party to target and destroy their political opposition. They're using suspect information to open up investigations. And if they can do it against Trump, they can do it against any of us. And it turns out Sussman, he had this cozy relationship with members of the intelligence community. He colluded. The FBI also had a cozy relationship with Rodney Jaffe. Rodney Jaffe is one of, is the tech executive who Sussman was working with and the Democratic Party, the Hillary Clinton campaign was working with. Rodney Jaffe was the tech guy that had the connections to tie falsified data and tie Trump to the Alpha Bank. And Jaffe, he's the tech executive named in the lawsuit. This is the Durham report. Jaffe and Sussman, they're the ones that are in trouble right now. So you've got these connections between private cybersecurity experts and federal law enforcement and intelligence agencies, and that was exploited politically. And so what you have is is politically motivated actors that are giving this false information to federal agents to then prompt investigations. And so Margot Cleveland writes at The Federalist, if cybersecurity experts Experts could trigger an investigation into Trump for political reasons. They can prompt an investigation into anyone. That's the point. And Washington is quaking in their boots right now because the lid is being blown off of how they've been doing things for a long time. And this is just the latest example. But, you know, I mean, they surveilled Tucker Carlson. Obama did this to certain reporters, whatever. But the point is they can plant evidence now, invent evidence, and then use that fake evidence. It's like, okay, imagine a girl just goes to the police and she says, uh, this guy, this guy raped me. And then they just, they don't investigate at all. They don't ask, you know, about details. Where did this take place? They just say, oh, well, she said that, that he raped you. And then they, get, they go on this witch hunt after you. That's not justice. But anyway, the intelligence community now, you know what they're saying because of this story? Well, if Sussman is indicted, the cybersecurity community is going to be afraid to take anything to law enforcement. The whole nation's going to be at a higher risk level. We can't go after Sussman. Think about the precedent. The precedent. Good. Good. I hope you're afraid to take anything to law enforcement that isn't real, that isn't true. This has to end. We're at a high risk because of these frauds who are abusing their power. Look at what they did to our country. None of it was true. Look at how they split us up, how they created hatred, how they went after Trump and his family and are still doing it today. And none of it is evidence-based at all. They just plant evidence or they make an accusation without any evidence. And they use that to go after people with some kind of lawsuit or case or worse, the court of public opinion. Donald Trump is an evil person working on behalf of Russia. Meanwhile, you have Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, who actually did all these things. And nobody wants to care. Nobody wants to care. And then we got, you know, Mayor Pete telling us, get used to high gas prices until we have green energy. Did you hear that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know our only way out of this mess right now is, uh, you know, to, to do green new energy. And so just, you know, it's going to be bad. It's going to get worse until we get to a place where everyone, uh, you know, has a, has a windmill in their backyard and they're driving around in electric vehicles that use coal and electricity. That's where Mayor Pete is at. And then we've got the German president right now who says it was a mistake not to object in the Nord Stream 2. Can you believe that? Frank Walter Steinmeier, that's his name, he's admitted that Germany failed with their approach of including Russia in what they call a common security architecture. So the point is, 
Donald Trump said, well, and he did. He said, no Nord Stream 2 for Russia. It's going to create a problem. It's going to embolden them. Bad things are going to happen. And then everyone else said, nah, to hell with that. Joe Biden lifts sanctions, gives them Nord Stream 2. Germany, same thing. Merkel before this president was in. All these people are wrong. Trump was right. And we're paying the price right now. We're paying the price. And all this took place because the media colluded. So much corruption out there. But anyway, I think it's ironic. You know, you've got Merrick Garland now who's coming under fire from Democrats, their base, because he's not doing enough to go after January 6th protesters. And I'm so offended by this, by the way, because you had that one January 6th protester who committed no violent offense. He just walked into the Capitol building and he took pictures and he committed suicide. Committed suicide because he was being persecuted. They kept pushing back to sentencing. Matthew Perna, rest in peace. Matthew Perna, that's the guy who they say died of a broken heart. Committed suicide because of the investigations, because of the way he was treated by the DOJ. And they're saying Merrick Garland's not doing enough to go after the J6 folks to persecute them. But this is the thing, too. This is why we're in this situation. I I will remind you that Democrats have been promising a body, you know, for five, six years now, right? Donald Trump did this. We're going to get him on this. And they failed every time. They're making these, they're building up people's hopes for something that's not real, accusing Donald Trump of things he didn't do. And so you've created these people who are just vicious vampires who just want to suck the life out of Donald Trump, his family, Republicans, all because they were promised something that wasn't real, that wasn't true. And, um, you know, I guess I'll end with Eric Adams here. You know, Eric Adams, Eric Adams has this, he's the mayor of NYC, right? So he's got this campaign going. Uh, this, uh, you know, we say gay, essentially, you know, he's got these banners up urging people in Florida who are upset. Nobody's upset. People fled New York. It's so funny. So he's trying to tell people to move back to New York where they can say gay, where they can say gay. So yes, you can, I mean, it's just bastardizing it. None of that's true. Nobody said you can't say gay, but it's ironic, you know, come here to New York where you can also be murdered while you walk around the streets. But I'll tell you what this is really about with Eric Adams, you know. He's basically, it's a campaign against DeSantis. That's what this is all about. All the don't say gay bill and everything else, this is about DeSantis in an election year. It's not going to help them. It's not going to help them. They're not going to win. DeSantis is easily going to win Florida and be governor again. But it's all a campaign to destroy him because they know that he has a political future, bright like Donald Trump's, and they will do anything they can to defeat him. Anything they can to defeat him. But anyway... This is Drew Allen. We're out of time today. God bless you all. Again, if you get a chance, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor. Go there. Give it a five-star rating. And, uh, and I'll be with you soon. All right. God bless you all. Until next time.